Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. At Navy Federal Credit Union, they don't just serve the Navy. They also serve the Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, and even Space Force. Visit NavyFederal.org for more details and to apply. All right. Today we're talking with a couple folks. We got uh, Marine veteran Janet Blackall and also Jeff Heiser, who's a Navy veteran. Janet Blackall with Blackall Racing. You guys are doing some really cool things. I mean, I, I, I haven't one other time I've interviewed somebody that's involved in currently involved in racing. And uh, it was actually a woman also, um, uh, army veteran. And you probably even know her, but, um, before we get into all that, <laughs> before we get into all that, um, take us back, tell us, Janet, tell us about what you did in the Marine Corps. Sure. I was, uh, an EA six B aircraft engine mechanic. So I was a grease monkey. Uh, my first duty station was Iwakuni, Japan, uh. which I had a ball over there. Uh, 18, 19 year old, uh, living the dream in Japan it was a good time. Awesome. And, and then, uh, was stationed state sti- stateside at Cherry Point and, uh, did one tour in Iraq for operation Iraqi freedom. And then wanted to get out, um, as quickly as I rose my hand and extended to go to war. <laughs> so, um, that's, that's my story in a nutshell. I was the only female in my shop. Uh, I was a tomboy when I was a child, mm-hmm. so I easily adapted to the all-male environment. Awesome. But that kind of uh, plagued me after the military. <laughs> Didn't fit in any longer. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not so cool that you can uh, talk shop. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's any consolation, <laughs> the men have the same problem. When we get out of the military, we just don't fit in anymore, pretty much anywhere we go. So, uh, Jeff, what about you? All right, so I joined in 1999. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do in life. Didn't want to waste my parents' money uh, with college. So I raised my hand, did my thing. First duty station was Mouse 31 in Beaufort, South Carolina. Let me tell you, that that's an experience as a young E3 sailor going uh, to your first duty station. I was a uh, avionics tech, so my job at first was comm nav, tack in, right out, <clears throat> and then... Later on, I ended up uh, on high-powered cast working on the radar systems. Um, I did – my first appointment was on the on a, uh, USS Theodore Roosevelt. Um, we did 159 days at, out at sea after September 11th. Uh, I did 12 years after the 12-year – or in that 12-year period, I did four total deployments. So about every three years I was deployed. Um, came home to – a whole big mess of stuff <laughs> with kids and now soon to be ex wife well at that time an ex wife. Um when I transitioned out, you know, TAPS class, they didn't really tell you what you're doing, just just the basic stuff of where to get information from. Yep. Took a job up in Rhode Island, decided that wasn't for me. Started my own personal business and then I met Janet and Tony uh, at Road America last year during COVID because I had no jobs coming in as a photographer. Awesome. Hey, uh, so Janet, uh, Tony Blackall was supposed to be here. Is, is Tony, is Tony your husband? He is my husband. Okay. He's also a Navy veteran and, um, 
he works a day job and that he was unable to break away from today, unfortunately. Um, And I'll, I'll share a little bit of his military story when we get to how black all racing came to be. Okay. So, and then that's all right with you. (laughs) So absolutely. So Jeff, you were in the Navy, but your first duty station was Beaufort, which is a Marine Corps air station. So a lot of people may not get the distinction there. You were in the Navy, but yet you were on a Marine Corps air station working <laughs> with Marines and probably even for Marines at, at some level of the chain of command there. But so were both of you Mousters? Yes. So Miles is like the the uh, aviation logistics squadron, one level above the line squadrons. And so you're doing all the heavy, the heavy, uh, the heavy maintenance on the aircraft that the squadron level stuff can't do. And I'd be willing to bet that's where you met your husband through the mouse. Cause like people are asking, how's a Marine marry a Navy guy, right? <laughs> I'm going out False. on a limb here. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> so, so I missed some highlights that I got to be the youngest Marine at the birthday ball out at Whidbey Island on a Navy base. Awesome. So that was fun. And uh, I was also in Iwakuni, Japan when 9-11 hit. So that was also uh, a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I, I had a lot of typical struggles transitioning out of the military into civilian life. Um, when I got back from Iraq, like I said, I had extended to go to Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did attach with a squadron. So they took an engine person, me, a tire person, and an airframer. So three MALS people with the squadron. And uh, so that we could fix in theater instead of having to send the planes or the engines back across the pond. And um, when I got back, I was done. I was very much done. And I had a lot of um, uh, trust issues and didn't really want to be around anybody that wasn't overseas with us Mm -hmm. and had gone through that. Because, you know, when you're in those environments, it's hard to uh, trust people or know that somebody actually has your pack or understands what you've been through. Right. So, so I got back, um, and I actually divorced husband number one and, uh, <laughs> ended up marrying, um, a Marine who I met overseas and, um, got a civilian job. And, uh, I had that civilian job for, well, I was a contractor on base for a while that was fun and games until I realized that I wanted to get away from the military. Mm-hmm. I needed, I needed that separation. I, I, um, the shop talk was too much for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, Understandable. and I, and, and we wanted to start a family. So we ended up moving from North Carolina back to Michigan. Um, got a civilian job, a few eventually found one doing, um, electronics for defense vehicles and aviation equipment. And that was my sweet spot. I loved it. We were, I was in charge of the repair and overhaul department. I grew it from a pain in the butt department to a profit house from like $300,000 annual sales to over 3 million in three years. Wow. Um, opened a facility in London, Canada. Like it was awesome. And that's where I really got my first taste of running a business unit or being responsible for everything from the work orders to the customer service to, um, the employees and, you know, the team, uh, welfare and all of that. And so that's kind of where I was like, I I could do this on my own. I want to run my own business. Um, and so I started going to a couple conferences about entrepreneurship and 
uh, met some people, some ladies at a VWISE conference, which mm-hmm. was about eight, nine years ago now, and uh, stayed in touch with them. They actually went and pursued their dreams, and I got recruited and sucked back into the rat race and worked at then a high-end office furniture company for another seven, eight years. So I worked as a civilian. This is still in Michigan? Um, Michigan. Mm. I bet I um, for about... Well. 15 years total, I'd say. Okay. Awesome. So ultimately, how did you guys get into racing? <laughs> um, well, uh, my husband, fast forward to third husband. Uh, again, like I said, I had and This struggles. is the current one, right? I just want to try to make, <laughs> yes. keep track of the numbers here. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, eventually, Three's I realized that the trust bubble that I needed from Iraq was not enough to keep me whole in everything that I needed out of my life. And that took about 10 years for me to figure out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So anyways, meet Tony, current husband. And uh, he talks about how he always wanted to join the military. And I was like, oh, you can't be one of those guys. Go join the military then. Don't say you wish you would have, you know, could have, should (laughs) have. So I uh, was like, I was like, life is short. You know, if you want to join the military, go. And he's like, what? Mind you, we had, um, you know, I was pregnant actually at the time that this really started becoming a thing. And um, so he enlisted into the Navy Special Forces and uh, went to boot camp when our first child was four months old. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that that was that. Um his uh, career was abruptly ended during a training incident and he was medically discharged and uh, he kind of came home a hot mess. And so I, again, was like, Whoa, you got to find your passion, do something you enjoy. Life is too short. Since I went through the struggles myself, which took me a long time to deal with and process, I did not want him to go down that road. Um, so I pushed him and pushed him and he said, well, maybe I'll buy a motorcycle. Cause apparently he used to race motorcycles before he met me. Uh. And so he bought a motorcycle, thought he'd just do track days and keep it shined up in the garage. And that lasted, I think maybe two events down at Grattan where he was like, you know what? I want to race. I'm running with the guys I used to. I'm keeping up with them. And it was like the more he was on the track, the better dad and father he was at home, better person he was. Um, He started, you know, opening up a little bit and connecting with some people and talking about some things. And so I just continued to push him to pursue his passion. And so the following year, 2019, he took me out to Road America for his my first professional round. He got his professional race license reinstated. And I was blown away. I had no idea that professional motorcycle racing was so awesome. Like the fans are right there. You're face to face, you're interacting and it's, it's a big darn to do. It was awesome. So, um, I was kind of at a crossroads in my professional career. And I said, I've always wanted to run my own business. Let's do this. You know, I'll do that part. You ride motorcycles. This will be really cool. Yeah. It, It helps you. It helps me. And, um, so Black All Racing was started in 2019 and it, you know, the largest driving force was to help my husband. Um, That's awesome. And, 
And in the meantime, it's helped me. And, you know, our goals are not to be number one, although we would love that to happen this year. Hopefully it will. Um, But to help other veterans and, you know, if it can be impactful and help us transition and our lives, then we know it can help others. So we're just trying to be a resource for veterans and help veterans and promote patriotism. That's awesome. And that's kind of how we met Jeff. (laughs) All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So hold that thought. Even though I was in the Marine Corps for 24 years, I've been a Navy Federal Credit Union member for over 30 years. Because at Navy Federal Credit Union, they don't just serve the Navy. They also serve the Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, and even Space Force. No matter where you are in your military career, they offer the products and resources to help you navigate your finances. Like the Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card, which offers three times the points at supermarkets, food delivery, and gas, plus one point on everything else. That means Grubhub, DoorDash, or whatever your favorite food delivery service is. Enjoy special perks and points you can redeem for cash, travel, gift cards, and more. Plus, earn bonus points. Learn more about how you can get 25,000 points, $250 value, when you open a Navy Federal More Rewards American Express card today. Visit NavyFederal.org for more details and to apply. Insured by NCUA. American Express is a registered service mark of American Express used by Navy Federal under license. I've been using Harry's five-blade razor along with her foaming shave gel. And let me tell you, Harry's delivers a close, comfortable shave every time. And for only $2 per refill. Harry's believes in quality so much that they bought their own factory in Germany so they could own every step of the manufacturing process. How do they do it? Harry's team combined a simple, ergonomic design with five sharp blades. They source their steel from Sweden and manufacture their blades in their world-class blade factory. For a limited time... Harry's has an exclusive offer for listeners of my show. New customers can get a Harry's starter set and a free body wash for just $3 at harrys.com slash veteran. That's over a $16 value for just $3. You'll get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, a travel cover, and a travel size body wash. It's an incredibly great deal. But act fast while supplies last. Go to harrys.com slash veteran to redeem your offer. All right, back talking with uh, Janet Blackall and uh, Jeff Wiseman. Janet being the Marine and Jeff the the Navy guy. Um, Janet, um, earlier on in our first half of the conversation, you had said when your husband started racing, um, something he'd done when he was younger, you said that he the more he raced, the better husband and father he became. What, I, I think that's very significant. So can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. So before racing... Um, when he'd come home from, say, his day job, he would um, partake in alcohol, which is fine, but he would um, kind of close himself out. You know, it was kind of like we didn't even exist. He'd walk through the house around us, sit down, put in some um, action war movie and sit in front of the TV and not talk to us, not anything like it wasn't he wasn't even there. Um it, it was, it was, uh, not good. And so the more he got on the track, the more that he actually started to talk and say, Hey, you know, maybe let's go out to dinner or actually wrestle on the kids, you know, wrestle with the kids on the floor and play with them or go sit in the room and do a puzzle with them. And just like spending quality time in the moment with us, um, was something that was very much missing 
um, prior to motorcycles. And I think if he was here, he, you know, he had a lot going on in his head and was unable to, um, I don't know, compartmentalize or process or shut it away and be present in the moment with us. Um, and I think that either maybe it's the focusing that you have to do to ride a motorcycle at those speeds to able to slow your brain and realize you can be present in the moment, even though you maybe got a lot of things flopping around up there that mm-hmm. maybe aren't, aren't pleasant or that control you in ways that you are unable to control. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting because we, we talk about, you know, sense of, or when veterans lose their sense of purpose, typically when they get out. Um, yeah. You know, some of it might be that. I just wanted to hear what you, what you thought about that. Cause even whether it's racing motorcycles, flying airplanes or whatever it may be, um, and whether it's the job, a job that does that or some, some other activity on the side that does that, it, most, I think most veterans fall off, fall, fall by the wayside. It's because they never regain that sense of purpose in something new or, or something else, you know, besides what was in the military for them. So, um, yes. Yeah. And so, um, all right. So tell us a little bit about black all racing and, I really want to get in the entrepreneurial aspects of what it's like to run and market and sell a racing team. Yeah, it's uh, everything that I didn't expect. <laughs> I'll <laughs> say that for sure. Uh, originally, I thought it would be pushing a lot of, you know, sponsorships and people would be like wanting to sponsor you. You know, we compete nationally all over America with televised coverage. Um but I realized that people weren't really interested in that. Um, and COVID hitting at the same time as our first full season has really made things extra unique and challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we've kept focus on what's important to us, and that's connecting with veterans and being a resource for veterans. So we do that by partnering with nonprofit organizations who promote alternate therapies for veterans. So one of them is like vet to track who actually puts veterans working on our race team so they can experience what it's like to work on a professional motorcycle race team. And, um, this year we're working with Neva who's very much into alternate therapies, be it a whole assortment of things. Um, but we are using our platform to connect down all these avenues and then have wide open exposure to all the spectators and fans. We run a very military isk library always. And that kind of gets the attention of the fans and spectators to go, what is this? Uh, are you guys military? What's going on here? And we're like, yeah, very much military. And we give away uh, little special trinkets to all the veterans we meet and um, just kind of continuing to grow that community and connect and stay in touch with people. And um, another fun thing that we do that's important to us is the patriotic packages. And that's where we provide everything within our hospitality suite for the fans and spectators to pack a care package and write a handwritten note that gets sent to troops at the end of the season. So last year we sent 200 care packages that had been packed at all the different Moto America rounds overseas to Bahrain. And, uh, yeah, so we're hoping to do that again this year. Um, and now that we're kind of on our third year of professional racing, now it's getting to be more about the sponsorship 
Now people are like, oh, you're an established brand. Yes, maybe I want to sponsor you. Um, and in the beginning, it wasn't. The beginning was just hustling and faking it till you make it. And, uh, you know, yeah. um, being wh- there, what proving is, that you are a thing. Does this, does being estab- as an established racing brand, is it, is it wins or is it longevity or is it something else that makes you well, an established brand as a racing team? I think, uh, so we're a privateer team, which means we're self-funded, um, which is very tough. And I think if we had wins, that would definitely continue to help elevate our brand and um, maybe make sponsorships with some organizations easier. Um, We are hopeful to be in the top 10 this year. Last year, we were not. but again, it's, it's, it, at the end of the day, it really boils down a lot to the financing. Um, for us, I think we've been successful because we are so passionate. Mm-hmm. We have done a lot of creative things to add value to those who partner with us. And, and I think some of that was COVID. Some of it's the military can-do attitude and just the sheer passion that come hell or high water, we're going to make this work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not like um, I have a huge inheritance or that we're independently wealthy. So yeah. that's not the case. Um, so it's a lot of, a lot of hustle and getting creative. Wow. Do you, um, do you guys have multiple drivers? I'm not even sure how it, it, you're mostly motorcycle racing, right? Or if all all motorcycle. We are only motorcycle uh-huh. road racing. Okay. And um, currently we just have the one rider, Tony Blackall, mm-hmm. who happens to be my husband. <laughs> um, we definitely would like to add and expand our team. Um, that would also help. Again, that all takes uh, financial uh, stuff, you know, yeah. money. <laughs> sure. Definitely understand. Um, I mean, like, we were, we were down in Daytona for the Daytona 500. We, we didn't go to the race, but we, like the people's house we were staying at, they had tickets and we were just there for the good weather more or less. But um, we have a condo down in Daytona also. So it, watching the Daytona 500 and all that, um, my wife's never known anything or done anything with racing, but the whole weekend and watching it all and talking with her friends that were into racing, she's like, I think I could really get into this racing stuff. I'm like, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get more into it, you know? But what's interesting when you, I mean, I'm just watching the race the whole time. And of course I've watched plenty of races. I've been in 8,500 a few times, been to Talladega and it is amazing how much it all hinges on the sponsors. I mean, the cars are just littered with ads all over the place and every, even on the steering wheel. Like I just happen to notice those things from an entrepreneurial perspective about, look at all the ad placement and you know, I'm like, I wonder how much that little, that little sticker right in the middle of the steering wheel costs that you only see once in a while when they go to that guy's camera in his car. And it's just really interesting to me to see all that. And I've always seen that, but from an entrepreneurial perspective, I just have a, I think I look at things differently than a lot of people just like watching the cars, but um, how, how, I don't, I don't necessarily want to how you go about getting sponsors, but can you talk a little bit about the money required to run a racing team or whatever, whatever numbers you're willing to share. And then maybe 
what some of the what some of the what some of the top ten teams are getting as far as funding um, sponsors or whatever. You know, what does it really take financially to be able to run a racing team like this? Um, yeah. So for our team, we're a privateer team, like I said. So we have crewmen who are buddies and friends who work for free. Uh-huh. Um, the big guys definitely have paid mechanics. So do you know, um, do you know, um, I'm not really asking how much you and your husband are putting into this by any means, but like some of the top 10 racing teams that you're familiar with, you, you probably hear, Oh, they got a, they got a hundred thousand dollar sponsorship from whatever. What are some of the big teams? What are, what is their sponsorship purse? You know, look like do you know or have an idea Uh, maybe (laughs) closed closed and locked up and very tight lipped nobody knows anything really so i I didn't know that i didn't know that so that's that's interesting i've had one mentor tell me for to be professional we should plan on a quarter million dollar budget annually i'm Um, surprised it's not more than that yeah we personally have not spent that. Um, we personally spend about five grand a race weekend. Um, but there's so much cost in, a, in, in, in addition to racing. Um, for example, the rig, the trailer, the truck, the maintenance, you know, we, we definitely spent over a hundred thousand dollars last year. Um, and it's, that's, I'm going through all the numbers right now because I had saw you were going to ask that question. I'm like, well, how much is still startup costs of buying the canopies, the team outfits? You know, there's there's oh, definitely yeah. a lot of investment up front in that stuff that hopefully we don't have to continue to mm-hmm. buy and buy and buy. Um, and then, you know, a race weekend, though, uh, is about five grand. And I'd say 3,000 of it is just tires. <laughs> yeah tires for the bike that is the most expensive uh expense wow that's awesome um holy cow so interesting that nobody knows how much other race teams are getting for their sponsors that is kind of funny um so i I i would guess go ahead jeff i I would guess anywhere between five hundred thousand and up uh-huh. Because some of their some of their technicians and stuff like that, like uh, Attack Yamaha, they have some very intelligent people that are tuning the bikes on the spot. So it's got it, they've got to have a pretty deep pocket to make that happen. And okay, so let's say there are teams that are getting a few million bucks each year or something like that. How much difference does that make in them winning races? And and why? Really, I want to know the why. Is it be like you said, tuning the bikes to where maybe your guys don't have that level of sophistication or even the electronics equipment to do it? Yes. How much difference does that kind All of stuff of make? Huge, huge. So from 2019 to 2020, we did make probably about $20,000 investment in electronics equipment for our bike. And it's, it's night and day. It, it's really night and day. Um, you know, you don't, they Moto America advertises it as a few modifications to a stock bike, but really there's the amount of modifications that you can do and still stay legal is, um, you know, there, there's definitely 
you can switch out the wire harnesses and the brakes and the forks and the this and the that. And it all just adds up mm-hmm. uh, to money, <laughs> to money at the end of the day. Oh. Yes, you can race without that stuff, um, but you're probably not going to be competitive in the top with the top performers. Uh-huh. Interesting. So, now, okay, if, if I was an investor, mostly the return on my investment comes in the form of advertising, right? Or yes, because my next question was, would somebody be willing to invest in a, in sponsoring a motorcycle racing team? Like, is there no other payoff like other than the advertising? Like, like, like for example, uh, one of the big things NASCAR weekend was Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan bought a racing team, but he didn't buy it to advertise his brand or anything. He probably just did it because he just wants to be involved he said he grew up going to NASCAR races with his dad. So do you know of people that are sponsoring racing teams for maybe other reasons than to advertise their brand? That's what I was going to highlight is that I've also had somebody tell me that sponsors don't give up cash. They don't give up the hundred thousand dollar sponsorship. Like that doesn't happen. Um, I'm still hopeful and believe that it exists out there, but I have had somebody tell me that that's just not how, not how the big guys are getting their money. Some of them are getting supported by say a factory, uh, third door, you know, not directly of course, but where, you know, then their engines are provided for, or their technicians are provided to the race team, but really they're on a dealership's payroll or do you know what I mean? Um, and so a lot of the, I'd say big sponsorships is coming from dealerships or some motorcycle centric industry that, that already shares a lot of those costs. Yeah. And then it, and then it flows over and makes sense. Like if you own a high end, you own a high end motorcycle repair shop or something, you loan, loan some of your mechanics out. So they're involved in race weekend and stuff. Yeah. And then you get to post, put those posters up in your shop and your mechanics become better or maybe they become, have more clout in the business and those kinds of things. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And you, you know, you send your rider out on dealership bikes. So they're getting seat time. They're getting better. Maybe they take potential customers out with them. So you're growing your customer base. That I believe is a lot more about how this world actually (laughs) gets support and why people maybe invest in it and um, do that. And what percentage of of the members on your team are veterans? 100. Really? Is is that (laughs) that by design or just the way it worked out? I would say it's kind of by design. And and you guys... in your team, do you guys stand out on race on race weekend from the other teams? I hope so. I think I we do, <laughs> especially after we uh, ran the one uh, bike scheme after nine eleven. Anytime that Tony would take that bike out, we got a lot of airtime and Roger Hayden talking about us. Oh, that's awesome! Hey, um, so we're getting close to the end of our time here. Um, uh, if either one of you have any last words, I definitely will give you a chance to do that. How do, how do we find uh, Black All Racing? You add a .com. <laughs> so www.blackallracing.com. <laughs> awesome. Um, and then we're on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram as at Black All Racing. So yeah. any, any, any of those ways. You guys definitely aren't in this for the money. 
which is cool. <laughs> and so what, what kind of final words do you have to somebody that's getting out of the military or just recently got out and maybe hadn't found their way yet? And they think I got to go, I got to go do something for the benefit of making the money versus, or do I need to go do something that I, that's I'm passionate about and that I love? Can you, Talk a little bit about what that's like doing something that you, because you're doing it because you love it, not because there's some payoff at the end. Uh, I would, I, I guess some of that comes with age because I definitely have uh, done the, you know, take the cash over the happiness. Sure. And sometimes um, you have to, you know. And life is short though. You, I don't know. I'd, mm-hmm. I would encourage them to figure out a way to be happy with what they're doing. And if they're not, Know that you're in control of your life. Freaking change it. Do something different. You don't have to. It, nothing drives me more crazy than people that are like, oh, I hate my job and I have to have this job. No, you don't. Like, apply for different jobs. It's yeah. Maybe it's not going to change overnight, but are you actively doing anything to change that situation? Because you're the one who controls that situation. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm a doer. So I push people to <laughs> get yeah. out of their comfort zone. Awesome. Jeff? Also with what uh, Janice said, if you're going to change up and do something that makes you happy, make sure you have someone that like your spouse or somebody that's super supportive of that because if they're not, it's just going to cause a riff at home too. So you got to really have a good support system to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, um, I look forward to you guys' future success. Um, If I ever run into anybody that's looking to sponsor a motorcycle racing team, I'll be sure to put you guys in touch with them. Sounds good. And if you want to get out to the track, you know, we'd love to give you some tickets and have you out. Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe when, so what's, what, what city run, give me a quick rundown of the cities this season. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh-huh. um, Pittsburgh, New Jersey, Virginia, Barber, Barber, Alabama, Virginia, okay. uh, the Ridge out in Washington state, Laguna Seca in California, Brainerd in Minnesota and Road America in Wisconsin. Awesome. Dude, that'd be great. I I don't think I've ever been I've been to um Supercross down in the Atlanta State Indoor Stadium a few times with my son when he's into motorcycle racing, but I don't think I've ever been to motor, a, a motorcycle race, so that's cool. All We'd right. We'd love to have you. All right, yeah, sounds good. I'll, we'll be in touch and uh, appreciate it. So, all right. These two, these three veterans are Oscar <laughs> Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>